Well, good morning, everyone. My name's Reese. I'm the assistant pastor here at Westlake Church. Big welcome to those of you who are visiting with us today. It's good to have you with us. We're continuing in our summer, uh, the, our summer series. It actually looks like summer today, praise God. And um, we're, we're continuing our su- summer series, which is Encounters with Jesus. And uh, the last time I, I stood and spoke to you, we were looking at uh, Mark chapter 5, at the beginning of Mark chapter 5, and we saw that Jesus rescued a Gentile man from his torment, from a legion of evil spirits, and, and rescued him from darkness. And today, we're going to look um, at two characters. So Jesus gets out of the boat, back on the Jewish side of the Sea of Galilee, and amidst the crowd, he's going to meet two very different characters from different backgrounds. And as these people meet Jesus, we're going to see that he gives them more than they hoped for. He gives them more than they ever hoped for. So the first point today is hope. I wonder if you've ever been in a situation where none of your plans have been working out. You know, for some of us, it would have been this past year, wouldn't it? Um, To do with COVID, everything that we've planned has maybe started to, to not work out because of COVID. A situation that we've faced has maybe gone downhill and continued to go downhill, to get worse and worse. Well, I've been thinking for a couple of weeks about an illustration for this, and I just kept coming back to the same one. So sorry if you've heard it before. But um, some of you will know that Micah, uh, my second son, uh, was born with heart problems. He had some difficulties when he was born. And um, a cardiac surgeon, the best cardiac surgeon in Southeast Asia, had just done an operation on Micah's heart. And when he finished, he admitted to us that the, the operation hadn't been successful, that it had failed, and that Micah desperately needed another heart operation to survive. And he admitted that he wasn't the man for the job. This was beyond his area of expertise and when the best heart surgeon in Southeast Asia tells you that it's beyond his area of expertise there's a danger that you lose hope and to add to that it was between New Year and Chinese New Year and we were living in Hong Kong so this was the worst possible time to try and get hold of anyone because they were away on holiday they were away with their family in other parts of the world We didn't know what we were going to do, how they were going to contact anyone, who during this time would be willing to come and help our boy. So it seemed helpless, but surely there must be a way. And that's when we heard that there was a French surgeon based in Australia, and he was flying home to France, and he was willing to stop off in Hong Kong and perform this surgery. It went from a seemingly hopeless situation to a hopeful one. And in this account in Mark 5, we meet a man who's also in a seemingly hopeless situation with a sick child. We don't know how long his daughter's been ill. We're not told. He might have been out looking for Jesus since before Jesus traveled across the lake the previous day. And he just missed him. 
Or maybe he's been pacing up and down the shoreline, hoping to catch hold of Jesus, hoping to, to speak to the villages and the surrounding villages and ask, has anyone seen Jesus? My daughter's ill. And finally, Jesus has arrived. And we hear in verse 21 that a great crowd has gathered around him. So pushing through this crowd, this man named Jairus, a very important man, he's... Uh, known well in the community. He's one of the synagogue leaders. So anyone who feared God, any God-fearing Jewish person, they would have known Jairus. He was in charge of the place of worship. He was a respected man, great responsibilities, and well thought of. And yet now he has to force his way through this crowd. I don't know if you've ever been in a situation where the crowd has just been almost unbearable we're told here it's not just a crowd it's a great crowd imagine somewhere a busy city at new year new year's eve um i i went to a fireworks show in london and in central london the whole place was packed you tried to walk through and you just couldn't move people were so densely packed and and when the when the fireworks display finished everyone just started trudging and you had to go with the crowd you, there was no way to, to fight the, against the crowd because everyone was heading down these narrow streets in the same direction. And if you wanted to go any other way, then it was really, really difficult. And so Jairus presses through this crowd because he's running out of time. This is his best chance, his only option really, to get to Jesus. And as he encounters Jesus this day, those around him who recognize Jairus would have seen that he was completely out of character to how they would usually see him. Not only does he push through the great crowd, but when he gets to Jesus, verse 22, he falls at Jesus' feet. I doubt that this man has ever fallen on his knees to beg for anything before in his life. Yet here he is, because the thing that he fears most in life is happening. His daughter is dying and we've seen stories like this this past year in the news haven't we in countries such as india families have been queuing for hours spending vast amounts of money to buy another tank of oxygen for a loved one or driving the sick from hospital to hospital trying to find a bed doing whatever they can to help their family in need when Jairus falls at Jesus' feet, he lays his problem before him in verse 23. And implored him earnestly saying, my little daughter is at the point of death. Come and lay your hands on her so that she may be made well and live. Jairus begs Jesus in earnest, doesn't he? Come and help his little daughter who's dying. He's willing to come to Jesus and humble himself. He doesn't care about his reputation now or his career. The Pharisees who disliked uh, Jesus could ostracize Jairus and make his life difficult. But he's willing to go through whatever it takes. He wrestles through the crowds. He gets his clothes dirty as he falls on, his, on the floor because he believes that Jesus is the only hope to save his daughter. No one else can. And Jairus' hope is kept up. In verse 24, Jesus agrees to go with him. And as 
Jesus goes with Jairus, Mark introduces us to another character. This time it's a, a woman who's been bleeding for 12 years. And Mark doesn't speak kindly of the doctors that she's been to see. Verse 26. She's been to the doctors and she's suffered under their care. They've taken all her money, all that she has, and her condition has got worse and worse as time's gone on. They haven't helped. They've hindered the situation. Now, it can be hard to imagine the desperation of this woman, especially in our time of modern medicine, and people wanting a quick fix. She's been struggling for 12 years. But Jesus is a new hope for her. A new hope. She hopes that Jesus can just touch her and make her well. Jairus wants, um, wants Jesus to touch his daughter and make her well. But if you look, the woman just wants to touch Jesus' clothes. Such is her faith. Because she's heard in verse 27 about Jesus' power to heal. But as her bleeding makes her ceremonially unclean in the Jewish culture, she's not allowed to, to be amongst these crowds. She's not allowed to be amongst people. She should be outside of, of the, the camp, so to speak. She should be on the fringes of society because she's in danger of touching others and making them unclean. She's an outcast and she wants to get to Jesus and just touch his clothes because he offers her that hope. She's heard about him. But what do we learn from this? Well, it's not only these two characters who are completely different in status that come before Jesus in a helpless situation, is it? Because regardless of our situation, we're all in need of Jesus' help. And when we hear about his work on the cross, how he died for our sins, then we start to realize there is hope. There is hope for me. I'm a sinner. I need Jesus. So whatever you might be feeling, whatever situation you might be facing, you can know today that Jesus is your hope. He always gives us hope. And when I say that, I'm not just talking about a hope that everything will go well in this life. I'm saying that he's hope, he's hope for us now in this life and in the next. It's okay hoping in something, isn't it? I mean, you can say, I hope that the, the weather's good tomorrow, but there's more to it than that as well. It's not that kind of hope, is it? It's a hope that leads to faith. And that brings us to our next point. Faith takes action. We saw that a while back in the book of James. And both of these people go to Jesus with their needs in hope because they have faith that Jesus can help them. So let's look at faith then. You know, in Japan, there's a poisonous fish in the seas there called a puffer fish or fugu. 
And there's no known cure for its lethal poison. No known cure. Yet there are chefs in Japan who will cut this fish up for you so that you can eat it raw. And it will also cost you around 145 Swiss francs per person. Now that's a lot of money for a meal that could kill you, isn't it? You'd have to have a lot of faith as well in the chef preparing it. You'd have to have a lot of faith that they'd removed all of the poison. I wonder if you have to pay in advance. (laughs) (laughs) But we know here that the woman acts in faith because she says, verse 28, if I touch even his garments, I'll be made well. As we've seen, she's got to walk through a crowd of people who she could potentially make unclean. And it's a remarkable thing that she has this faith that she just thinks, all I have to do is touch Jesus' clothes. And that's exactly what happens. Verse 29, and immediately the flow of blood dried up and she felt in her body that she was healed of her disease. And verse 34a tells us, Jesus praises this woman for her faith. This is something that even his disciples haven't yet come to grasp in in Mark yet, in the book of Mark. When they thought they were going to die in the previous chapter amidst the storm, and Jesus says, have you got no faith in me? Chapter 4, verse 40. He said to them, why are you so afraid? Have you still no faith? And yet it's this faith that's caused her to go to Jesus in the way that she did. And not just her, it's also taken faith for Jairus to step out and approach Jesus for help. Although in their social status, they're so different. And the fact that Jairus is named here and the woman is not. They have these two things in common. They have the hope that Jesus can help them. And they have the faith that he will. Jairus must have felt so happy and relieved that Jesus is on his way with him. Now everything's going to be fine. He's got these plans and they're actually coming together. But then something unexpected happens on the journey that we've just heard about. Jesus gets held up and Jairus knows that time is of the essence. I wonder if as he's making his way to his house, he's shouting, excuse me, through the crowd, pushing his way through. Because he wants to get there as quickly as possible. This is the life of his little girl. I don't know if you've ever tried to travel somewhere and you're on a narrow road and you're stuck behind a tractor. Do you know that feeling? You leave on time and you're going to get there on time, but actually, no, you're stuck behind a tractor. It's a narrow road. You can't get past. You're at the mercy of the tractor, basically. If it If he sees you or hears you and moves out of the way, then you're okay. But otherwise, you're going to be late. But this is a more serious situation than that, isn't it? There's a life at stake. That's why ambulances have flashing lights and loud sirens. Jairus probably can't believe that Jesus has stopped to hear this woman's life story. It says that she tells tells Jesus the whole truth. She tells him all about these 12 years. And his little girl is about to die. I mean, surely it's logical to deal with the most serious injuries first, right? 
It's one of the first things you learn in, in, in a first aid course. You're taught how to assess and see who's most in need. If someone's unconscious, you, you treat them first. And then you treat the person who's screaming with a broken leg, maybe. Or, or a lesser injury. And then comes the worst news imaginable for Jairus. Verse 35. While he was still speaking, there came news from the ruler's house. Some who said, your daughter is dead. Why trouble the teacher anymore? Your daughter is dead. You can almost see Jairus' face drop as the news sinks in. Surely all hope is gone now his little girl is dead. There's no point bothering Jesus anymore, Jairus. It's all over. What can Jairus do? His faith has got him this far. But what now? And then Jesus gives these words of encouragement. But overhearing what they said, Jesus said to the ruler of the synagogue, Do not fear. Only believe. Jairus is fearing the worst, the prospect of mourning and burying his dear daughter. But Jesus tells him not to let that fear sink in. The situation seems futile. The circumstances are all stacked against Jairus as he hears this news. Jesus is saying to Jairus, have faith in me. Don't let your faith crumble now. Think of what Jairus has just witnessed. He's witnessed the healing of this woman. Don't give up, says Jesus. Keep your faith, even though Jesus knows that Jairus' daughter is now dead. Jesus wants Jairus to trust in him and not in the circumstances around him. However tumultuous they may be, however troublesome they may be, faith in Jesus is about relationship with the Lord. It's about trusting in him and his power. And if we look at these two chapters, chapter 4 and 5 of Mark, we see that Jesus has complete power over creation as he calms the storm. Complete power over evil as he humbles and brings that legion of evil to submission. And we see that he has great power over sickness and now even death here. We all go through all sorts of hardships in life, don't we? But Jesus says, believe in me, not in the state of the world around you, all the things that you can worry about, all the people that may say negative things to you. And for Jairus and the woman, that faith leads them to action. Because of their desperate plights. Suffering and separation face this woman without Jesus. Grief and death face Jairus. And on realizing their desperate need, they both fall down on their knees. True faith is self-risking trust in Jesus. True faith is self-risking trust in Jesus himself. Being willing to act whatever the cost to follow Jesus. And being willing to humbly fall before him at his feet. And Jesus encouraged Jairus to keep on trusting. 
we can see that he keeps on trusting. And we can keep on trusting with the help of the Holy Spirit and Jesus, our personal saviour. That brings us on to our next point. Immeasurably more. It's always nice to get more than you bargained for, isn't it? When you buy something and you get another one free. Has that ever happened to you? It's never happened to me in Switzerland. It's more likely to be buy three and get one half price. But when it comes to Jesus, it's nothing like that, is it? It's not like that at all. It's hard to even sum up. Because he gives us immeasurably more than we deserve or than we can imagine. And that's what we see happen to the two people who encounter Jesus in this chapter. Even if at first they, they don't realize it. Jairus came to Jesus for the healing of his daughter, but he gets more too. As the situation worsens, he gets to witness Jesus not overcome, not just overcome sickness, but death. And his worst fears are resolved before his very eyes. He wanted his daughter healed before it was too late. But it's not too late because Jesus shows Jairus that he has power even over death. And Jesus' demonstration of power here is immense, isn't it? The people laugh at him for saying that the girl is only sleeping and he hasn't even seen this girl yet. But this is how Jesus views death. This is the power he has over it. Verse 39, and when he had entered, he said to them, why are you making commotion and weeping? The child is not dead, but sleeping. It's as easy for Jesus to wake someone from the dead as it is for him to wake someone who's sleeping. Taking her by the hand, he said to her, Talitha kumi, which means, little girl, I say to you, arise. Jairus' daughter is alive again. Her parents and the three disciples have witnessed Jesus' power over death for the first time. And the woman in the story, she wants healing. She wants to be able to slip back into the crowd because the effects on everyone else um, would, make her, would make everyone else um, ceremonially unclean. But Jesus asks in verse 30, who touched him? So she's been caught out now. Her hopes of not being in trouble for breaking the law have been dashed. But her, her worries are unfounded, aren't they? Because Jesus is greater than any other worries, than any ceremonial law. There's no issue of Jesus becoming ceremonially unclean here. Although that's what the Jewish people might have been thinking, that she was unclean, Jesus doesn't even bring it up. Doesn't even mention it. Instead, he knows that someone's touched him in faith and has been healed by his power, verse 30. And he has something much better in store for her than what she had first and originally hoped. After falling at his feet and telling him the truth, verse 33, the encounter is now a personal one. The Son of God blesses her. The woman's been given physical health, but Jesus also helps get rid of her fear. He makes her ceremonially clean. He welcomes her into God's family. 
He takes the time to listen to her life story as she tells the whole truth to him. And that shows that he cares about her, even though there's people around him trying to pull him, pull him away. And now this woman who's, who's not given a name, by Jesus she's called daughter. She's welcomed into God's family. Jesus tells her to go in peace. No one in the crowd's going to bother her now. And he also commends her faith. Before she reached Jesus, she's an outcast with a little hope and some faith. But now, after this encounter with Christ, she's experiencing God the Father's love for one of his own daughters. Things didn't work out the way that the woman thought they would. But she received so much more in God's good plan for her. But also, God hasn't just worked this out in a way to bless the woman. He's also done it for the crowd. Now the woman's trying to keep her healing a secret. But why is she being made to make this private matter public? Why is, this, why is she being made to share this private matter in front of the crowd? Whereas away from the crowd, the amazing miracle of the little girl being raised from the dead happens. In private. Jesus isn't seeking to embarrass her here by showing her shame, but he is showing everyone her faith. And by making her faith visible, it gives hope to all who, like this woman, have a secret shame. Which is all of us, isn't it? It's a hope that we too, through faith, can find healing and forgiveness and restoration. It's a hope that we will be loved by our Heavenly Father and that we will receive complete healing through His Son and peace through His Holy Spirit. And Jesus won't send us away if we or call us unclean if we come to Him. Instead, He offers us more than we can ever imagine. We're invited into His family. We expect things off God, but his plan for us is so much better than we realize. And we maybe won't fully realize or understand that until we are with him face to face. We have two examples here of, of um, these things being much better, haven't we? These two stories. All of us face trials in our lives and... Some of our hopes pan out differently than we thought. And we don't understand why. It doesn't make sense to us. But we need to remember that we have a faith in the reigning sovereign king. Who has complete power and control. He's the one who can see the bigger picture. And we have faith in one who, as Ephesians chapter 3 verse 20 tells us, Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all we ask or think according to the power at work within us. Jesus conquered death on the cross. Someone unclean touching Jesus doesn't make him unclean. Touching a dead body doesn't 
make Jesus unclean because he is life. But he chose to take our uncleanliness, to take our death on the cross, to give us hope and an eternal future. That brings us to our conclusion today. One day, we won't need hope anymore because we'll be in the presence of God. And our faith from this life will be rewarded then. And we will receive immeasurably more than we could ask or imagine. So the key is not to give up hope. To keep faith and trust in Jesus and not in our circumstances. Jairus didn't know how powerful Jesus was. But in the end he saw. We know how powerful Jesus is. He does amazing things, and he does much more amazing things than raising this little girl from the dead here. But the encouragement that Jesus offers Jairus is an encouragement that helps Christians all down the ages, and it helps us today. He says this, Do not fear, just believe. Do not fear, just believe. Let's pray.